0: all right good morning welcome back to driving theology this is Mike and I am leaving about 25 minutes early this morning not because of any snow or ice which we experienced last week uh, but because they wanted me to be there early today for a a, uh, Call it a parents observation day so parents are gonna be uh, watching the kids do English today so they're starting a little earlier for the moms uh, but yeah um, it's been a good week I guess we are in today is actually February 1st uh, Interestingly enough, when I post this, if you uh, if you are in the uh, time zones that are uh, behind us, in other words, uh, when I post this on February 1st, some of you guys will actually get it on January 30, uh Yeah, January 31st, which is kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, this is my uh, first day after finishing uh, my all my college classes, which finished up yesterday. So, got my tests, my finals done. Uh, everything's graded, I guess. And now it's just a matter of um, inputting grades, uh, doing all the busy work that I need to do to get, to get ready for next semester, which will start in April at some point. I got to figure out the starting date. And then preparing for my upcoming trip. Uh, singing trip to New York, which is, I think I have rehearsal coming up this weekend, so I probably have some work to do before that, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice because uh, that means, you know, I have, what is it, how many hours do I teach, an extra, how many hours do I teach, that's interesting, let's see, I guess I teach six hours, so, Uh, I have an extra six hours uh, that I don't have classes and I don't have to get up early in the morning. I don't have to go out in the cold uh, to work in the morning, so I've got an extra six hours on Mondays and Tuesdays, which is nice. I I now have my mornings free on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, It happens every year, but still, feels great when that time comes and uh, one less one less place I have to go for my job, so... my my quote-unquote job is really a collection of many smaller jobs. Uh, so, for example, on Mondays, I teach in two different schools. On Tuesdays, I teach in three different locations. Uh, on Wednesday I teach at a completely different location twice in the morning and then in the afternoon well a morning session and an after- afternoon session and then on Thursday I'm in a completely different location so I'm never in uh, the same location on consecutive days and on the on the one Friday a month that I that I teach I'm in a completely other location. So I never teach at the same place on two days. I'll teach several lessons in one place, obviously, but yeah. So my Tuesday, I'm actually in three different teaching classes in three different locations. But it's just one class in each location. But anyway, it's it's you know, it's a lot of driving. Uh, it's a lot of coordinating. But that's been my life for so long; it just seems normal. <clears throat> There's nothing. Weird about me going to lots of different locations uh, to do my job. So basically, my car becomes a pit because it's my tiny, my my. Well, now I'm in a tiny car. It's my tiny office. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that that's that's kind of the lifestyle that I have and have had for more than twenty years now. Really, uh, since about two thousand one it's been more or less more or less like that less less in the beginning and slowly it became more like that I think in the uh, especially in the early, early 2000s I taught consecutive days in the same location sometimes um, but I still had other places I had to go <clears throat> but that's also a microcosm of what it means to run and a language school in our area um, we live in a relatively small town um, and we don't have gobs of students coming to our school so we hire out our teachers to other schools and that's that's how we've been able to to maintain business right making relationships with other companies who or companies or schools want uh, teachers to come just for one day or whatever, so that's what we've been able to do. Uh, And without that, we probably never would have survived, Uh, especially not this long. We're getting close to, uh, I guess we're at 26 years now, Um, 25, 26 years of uh, our English school Excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat. I haven't had coffee this morning, so I'm going to sip just a little bit of my beautiful espresso. I think say, uh, uh, our coffee roaster, said that this coffee is, uh, this espresso is from India. I don't know where it's from, but man, it makes a great espresso. Creamy, dark, lots of crema. Really nice, complex taste. A little sweet. Mm, really good. Mm. Ah. So this is... I've got a quadruple latte in my... It's probably a quadruple tall. Could, could be a, a quadruple... What's the next one from tall? Venti. Might be a Venti, but I think it's just a tall. Maybe about a... Yeah, 12 ounce. But it's got four shots of espresso, so it's it's a little bit stouter than your normal latte. Hey, this ain't your grandmother's latte, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, What else is going on? So last night, uh, well, I guess last week, I got on Yahoo Auction, and I started bidding for this John Coltrane album. John Coltrane, if you don't know, is a saxophonist from the... 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, who was, uh, an innovator and is probably considered the finest saxophone player of his generation. Uh, I I think he's probably considered the best saxophone player of all time, uh, by many people. Um, but I'll just leave it at generation because, you know, I know Charlie Parker and lots of other people have, uh. Had also wonderful careers. And it maybe just the time he was, you know, his the era that he came into it. But anyway, he was special, um, for sure. And I'm I I've been on a uh, jazz kind of kick, as you know, for the last uh, I guess since my birthday in November, because I got a turntable on my birthday and so uh, since then even before then that's why they got me the turntable. table so I guess since about I don't know October September October I've really been kind of pursuing uh, jazz <clears throat> jazz music and as a vocalist it's not quite the same thing like um, what I haven't figured out yet how vocal jazz uh, Co inside, side wrong wrong word, Um, where vocal jazz connects with what uh, innovators like uh, um, Davis and uh, Coltrane uh, and these guys, what they were doing in the 60s, because vocal jazz kind of remained, and even today, has remained in the genre that was popular in the 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Like we're st- still singing those songs. But what Coltrane and Davis did in the 60s was a a departure from music that was written strictly for dancing. Uh, and it was written, it was music that, that served a purpose other than the music, and then people like John Coltrane and Davis uh, and others uh, began to write jazz for the concert stage in a sense. The jazz that exists just for jazz, not to dance, to, not to sing along with, uh, not as background music, but as music that stood on its own. And so jazz became more sophisticated. I know that's a loaded word. This is my opinion. This is me trying to understand. It's not me saying this is how it is. Jazz became more sophisticated. It became delivered with greater depth. It was written with greater pathos. If that makes sense. Uh, It it grew up. it, It became an adult and it dealt and deals with more adult issues in a sense. It doesn't mean it still can't be playful at times. but it matured, it grew up, it, as the musicians were, so followed the music, I suppose. Maybe that's what happened, it, it, it's kind of difficult to, you know, <laughs> to, to say exactly what, what the phenomenon was, but music in the 40s, the, the, the big band, um, music from the 40s, and even before that, the quote-unquote Dixieland jazz bands, they were much more happy-go-lucky, you know, they were much more happy-go-lucky, they were, they were happy music, perhaps written to make people happy, or, uh, you know, it's more celebratory, whereas this this record that i listened to last night and I, I had heard the pieces from this record while listening just to random john coltrane songs on you know apple music or whatever but this album is more introspective i think that's the word i'm looking for it's introspective it's melancholy at times uh, it, it's chaotic it's, it's it's intense. I guess maybe that's a good word. Now music, even the dance music of the 40s, I suppose, could be intense in a sense of it could be frantic. But I think frantic is different than intensity. If that makes sense. Um, now there are a lot of other cultural things that were happening in the 50s, 60s. Uh, even since the 40s that maybe brought along uh, or or coincided with or um, I hesitate to say caused but certainly influenced and that was uh, the uh, drug culture that was starting Uh, musicians were experimenting more and more with um, different drugs and many of the musicians I've talked about had uh, battled battled addiction and 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 they overcame addictions um, <clears throat> uh, they they got out of that but you know the the 50s and 60s were a weird time in America the 50s were kind of... Bright and happy and youthful and you know we just got out of World War II and then as the 50s go on now we're in the Korean War and then the 60s come with the Vietnam War and and uh, the drugs enter and become a big influencer as well as you know things in, in science and religion and politics and <clears throat> A lot of things happen. Two, I think, influence the kind of jazz that we get from this period from the late 50s and, and 60s. Um, and this album by John Coltrane is just amazing. The album is called Giant Steps. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the only John Coltrane album, maybe the only studio album. Uh that is all him and all his compositions no, I'm not sure about this the album was written at least many of the pieces were written as as he was leaving his wife uh, and, and, and divorcing his wife whom by all accounts he loved uh, but the marriage wasn't good at least from John's standpoint, and so these these pieces were uh, written in the in that context. And yesterday I posted on Facebook. I, I posted a picture of the album and just my opinion about how great it was and how I wish I would have found it sooner. Um, <clears throat> uh, my friend and also jazz and saxophone player uh, Heath Jones uh, sent me an article, and I haven't been able to finish the article yet. You know, it's kind of long. I got it this morning as I was trying to get ready for work, so I'll finish it later. But a lot of the things uh, he's telling me about, I, I found in that article, and also on the uh, the back cover um, of the album itself. Now, the album I got for those of you who are audiophiles is not an original issue. Uh, It's a reissue of 1975. An original can cost up to a thousand bucks right now. And yeah, that's just not the kind of collector I am yet. (laughs) Um, I'd love to have an original. Somebody wants to gift me one. Uh, But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I recommend Giant Steps. It's it's a wonderful album. It's I was afraid it was going to be far more atonal than it turned out to be. Far far more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Experimental, uh, not as accessible. Uh, but I found it very accessible. Of course, I've been listening to a lot of this music as of late, and so maybe the. The vocabulary is kind of sinking in just a little bit Um, and maybe that's why I I was worried because John Coltrane is known for trying to push jazz and his instrument and his playing of it to the limit and so he achieved uh, probably well, certainly greater range than almost all saxophone players, but he also <clears throat> probably achieved greater speed and and more variety, right? He, he he always tried to play things in a different way. He he was always looking for a new he was almost like obsessed by writing new musical figures and, and finding new uh, melodic uh, and and chordal passages right um, of course you don't play a chord on saxophone but he, he wrote the music and then you know arranged it um, anyway wow what a beautiful beautiful album I, I, w- I was impressed by the quality of the recording even though it's from what is it from 60 maybe 1960 or 5960 60. <clears throat> Anyway, beautiful, beautiful album. You know, it's interesting. I suppose I can make a correlation with a a, a post I got. A, a guy that I follow on, on Facebook. I think his name's... His last name's Hicks. John Mark Hicks or something like this. Uh, I don't know that I've ever met him, but we have some of the same, I guess... Theological leanings, and so we've become friends on Facebook. Uh, not friends, but friends on Facebook, and so I follow some of his posts. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually spoken to him, but we may have exchanged messages here and there. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. But he simply wrote a quoted uh, a quote from a monk about uh, the the monastic life. Putting that in a positive light, um, the the idea that some people, you know, went out into the desert and built uh, monasteries in order to be in an, be in an environment where they could, without distraction, pursue Christ, and I think that was the that was the hope to get away from the decadence and the materialism and the wickedness of the world go into the desert in order to uh, be stripped of all those world worldly needs and desires so that they could pursue Christ and, and in, the, in the I believe the 4th and 5th centuries AD uh, or I guess we say the common era, uh, people did this in, in in Europe, and I suppose in the Middle East, and so they they went out into the wilderness to get away from the the wicked city life, in a sense. But many of these fathers, so this was my comment. Many of these guys did it, not so not so that they could leave permanently the people in the cities but so that they could come back to the cities unhindered, unencumbered uh, by all of the worries uh, of life in the city. You know, politics and and materialism and, and, you know, tiffs with neighbors and, and, you know, the pursuit of money and the 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 pursuit of pleasure, right? All of these things that, that cities are known for, even today. You know, that's why cities have red light districts and you know, places you don't go because uh, those are the areas where, where things have gotten out of control and that generally happens in cities, I guess in towns as well, but more so in cities, big cities. So people went into the desert but I think the original intent was to get away for a time, so that they could come back uh, unencumbered by the world and able to bring Christ and, and pull more of these people out of that life. I think that was probably the original intent, and and you know they have a they have an example in Jesus. Uh, Jesus did that as well. You know Jesus. Before he began his ministry, the Gospels tell us that he went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he fasted. And for all intents and purposes, he didn't have shelter in the desert. He was exposed. Uh, he, he It says that the Holy Spirit kept him alive. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. He was sustained only by God. And then after that 40 days and 40 nights, uh, he returned to The people, where the people were, and began to uh, preach the kingdom of heaven. Right, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, repent, right, uh, be- because the kingdom of heaven is here. You know, it's, it's here. It's, it's, it's coming. It's, it's near. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe that's what was happening in, in jazz, you know, where these guys and and I know that now I'm going to get the band leader wrong. I believe Coltrane played for Count Basie, the Count Basie Orchestra for a time. And it actually could have been Duke Ellington. I don't remember. I'll have to check this. But, you know, he was playing that, that dance music, that big band music, that <coughs> music that was was basically they were on stage and you know playing for a lot of people to have fun Uh, and he lived in that life right that where music is just about fun you know dancing and partying and and all the other things that go along with with that thing not for everybody but a lot of that's about uh, drinking and about sex and And there's a whole lifestyle that goes along with that. And by all accounts, that's the time, I think, when he became addicted to drugs, or at least started taking drugs, right around that time. Um, And he actually had problems being in bands because of his addiction. I think he was in and out of bands, or kicked out of bands at, at times. Maybe just once, maybe just once. I don't I don't know his history intimately, but um, but maybe that's what he was dealing with, the fact that, that there was nothing real about the music and that was eating him up inside and and you know there 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 could be other things and psychologists today think that, you know, addiction is driven not by an illness but by trauma. That there's trauma that people need to deal with uh, in their in their lives, and that will help them get a, uh, overcome addiction. That may or may not be the case. There may be some DNA uh, connection as well. I have no idea. Wow, the rivers are so low. I need some rain. Sorry, I'm just going over the Coogee River where I have kayaked and rafted from time to time. Uh, yeah. So. You know just like these these uh, Christians who were living in the cities realizing that that the people were, were worried about everything except what they should be worried about uh, drove them into the desert to to shake off that that lifestyle that uh, excess and abundance and decadence so that they could get closer to God, um, maybe that's what drove John Coltrane from the wild and shallow music. I hate to say shallow. I love the I love the big band music. I'm not I'm not saying I don't like swing, but it's it's not introspective in the same way, right? Uh, and so I think maybe in the sense. John Coltrane was driven from this lack of self-awareness uh, into the desert and in the desert is where he produced music like Giant Steps and other songs that he wrote that were a much different thing, a, a new genre a, a, f- a fresh expression a, um, a, a, new, a new word, right? Um, I don't know, and, ma- and maybe this, this is what happens to humans all the time. You know, maybe this is just, uh, in a sense, what it means to be human. We, at some point in our lives, need more. You know, if I look at my own life, there was a time that I was obsessed with, with religion and with church, and with going to church and doing churchy things and and leadership and, and and you know checking off the right boxes and 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 teaching others to do the same. There was a time when that was me, for sure. Uh, but at one point, I felt like there needed to be more that that we needed to. Get to something more real. Uh, to uh, to get back down to the nitty gritty, uh, as uh, as Nacho says in Nacho Libre. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. It's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, this coffee is so good <clears throat> I feel sorry for you guys who don't enjoy coffee who don't imbibe uh, the uh, little brown roasted beans but oh my goodness sometimes it's just so good it looks like I'm going to be early enough that I can enjoy and finish my coffee which is great um, <clears throat> yeah so maybe this is just what happens to us you know, there's a time when we live in a world and that world at some point in our development, our evolution, no longer becomes enough and we seek more, we need more, we want more. Uh, now, that's not always good. You know, that, that also, I think, describes midlife crises <laughs> that, that people go through. Where you know they leave their they leave their wife and, and buy the sports car and get the young girlfriend you know that that whole thing. It's not always good. In fact, you know that's that's something that I think happened to my father. Uh, that, for whatever reason, instead of it being the church for him, it was it was his marriage, uh, and and I think. I think what we need to know is those times are coming and there are going to be things that you can you know shake off from you like the dust from your feet Uh, but families and marriages and Christ uh, are not them now I, I did leave the institutional church but I did it in order to pursue God in other places, in other ways, in fresh expressions. Well, not trying to defend myself. I really don't feel the need to defend myself. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of shaking in this car. I just realized maybe getting on the recording. I hope it's not too bad. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, may- maybe people need to know that there's going to be a time in your life, and maybe a couple times, where what you're doing is you see through it suddenly. You see it for what it is. And you may be right, but you may be wrong. But it just may be a lunatic you're looking for. Sorry. Uh, I keep quoting people. That was Billy Joel. Another one of my favorites. Uh, But, yeah, it you might be wrong, right? But you need to be honest about what you're feeling, and then start to uh, deconstruct a little bit to, to to check, right? Start to analyze. You don't want to let it. You don't want to let it go. Uh, you don't want to tough it out, right? Um, and what I mean is, if your marriage suddenly, if it comes up that your marriage is not all it should be. Well, marriage is not something that you just toss aside. There are so many moving parts, uh, and so many people will, will will be affected by your decision. That that's not a that's not a good um, good way to think about marriage. They shouldn't be thought of as disposable. Now, it doesn't mean that. If you're in a, if you're a, a somebody who's in an abusive abusive relationship, and you, you are your health or your mental health, or whatever, uh, is in danger, that you shouldn't get away. But even then, you know, the, and I don't think anybody would be. So maybe I'm just, you know, strawmanning here. But I, I don't think our first instance should be to drop the knife. You know. Maybe our first instance should be to stop the bleeding and, and to uh, to try to heal all those involved because people who ab- abuse uh, have been abused in some way, right? They're broken people too, and they're valuable, just as valuable as you are, Um so I'm not saying you should not get away for your own safety. I'm not saying that. Uh, and, and perhaps the marriage does need to be over. I'm also not saying that you shouldn't uh, divorce. Uh, what I'm saying is we shouldn't do it quickly, haphazardly. Quickly escape if you need to for your own health, yes. I don't think anybody does. I, I think again, I'm kind of making a making a straw man argument here. I don't think anybody would do that. So, yeah. Um, what am I getting at here? What am I getting at? The problem is that when we enter the desert, and then we find that we just like the solitude, uh, and we decide not to return. Uh, to to take what we've learned and to share the closeness that we've known with Christ to those who are still in this stuck in the cities, right? Um, you can be stuck in the desert and be stuck in the city, and neither one is better off, right? There are people that need to be rescued in the cities, so hopefully. When you enter the desert, you do it so that you can one day leave, right? You have an exit strategy. And exit strategies are important, right, in those kind of situations. Um, Now, yeah, sometimes the desert comes to you. Uh, Sometimes marriages are like that where, you know, you find that you didn't seek out the desert, but the desert found you nonetheless. Uh... And so, in that in that kind of situation where you have, you know, all right, let's let's speak metaphorically, your 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 relationship with your spouse or your uh, husband or wife was once a garden, beautiful and lush, uh, and then one day you wake up and it's a desert. Well, you don't have to leave that desert. You can start cultivating. You can start watering. Uh, you can start. Uh, Doing what you can to bring back the vegetation Um, because that's where you started, you know. Now, yeah, you may need to get away for a time, and relationships are one of those things that is just incredibly tough on everybody. So, anyway, I don't know if I made a good correlation between uh, jazz uh, and uh, the monastic life. I think I may have found a connection there Uh, and then you could bring in also midlife crises and you know all all kinds of things that we call where people just decide that you know what they've been doing is they're gonna give up on they're gonna do something else I still think that probably that is just human human nature uh, in many ways that's something that we all go through but I think we should be warned that you're gonna go through those things so that we can be prepared you know there will be times uh, what's, what's the what's the song mama said that there'd be days like this there'd be days like this my mama said <laughs> yeah there'd be days like this but there'd be sometimes there are years like this Right? That's what we need to know is that there's going to be a day that you're going to wake up and the world that you live in, uh, you no longer recognize as a place you want to dwell. And you're going to try to get out of it. Uh, and in that case, you know when that happens, when you're in that situation, take a breath. Take a big, long breath. Be honest about how you're feeling. But really consider the ramifications of what your soul is telling you to do. And whatever you do, do no harm, right? If, if, when at all possible, right? Do no harm. Um, Take care of the people that that you love and and don't, don't hurt anyone. When at all possible. Now that's not always possible. We we heard people when we left the church. I think. <clears throat> um, I I think I think there are times that, but I you know I, here's the thing I had known for nearly ten years before I actually left that I was probably going to. There had been nine years that I was considering other expressions of, quote-unquote, church or gathering that I felt like were probably better. Um, So, I didn't just, you know, do it right away. There was a lot of studying and preparation that went into it. Sure. Well it looks like all the parents are here. Well I'm gonna cut this off and try to drink some coffee before I before I hustle in. So thank you guys. Uh yeah, I don't know what else to say about this. Um I did enjoy the topic, though. I did enjoy the topic. Uh, being being a middle-aged man, I've, I've gone through some of these things. Uh, they've happened to me. So I guess I'll just take my own advice. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.